0: This is Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where every week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we discuss what's going on in our business. Plus, we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week, we'll be talking to Monty Khan of Right of the Dot. Adult Site Broker is proud to announce ASB Cash the first affiliate program for an adult website brokerage. With ASB Cash, you'll have the chance to earn as much as 20% of our broker commission, referring sellers and buyers to us at Adult Site Broker. Check our website at ASBCash.com for more details. First of all today, let's cover some of the news going on in our industry. The U.S. Department of Justice has announced that the agency has voluntarily withdrawn a Trump-era legal challenge against the state of California's net neutrality law intended to protect the open Internet. Former President Trump directed his DOJ to sue California and Governor Gavin Newsom in a federal lawsuit seeking to overturn a 2018 law that bars multi-billion dollar internet service providers from throttling internet speed on certain websites. The California law also blocks ISP gatekeepers from blocking user access to certain websites and charging for large website access. According to the Trump administration, California acted in an unlawful and anti-consumer fashion that goes against the federal government's then deregulatory agenda regarding the Internet. Jessica Rosenwerkel, the federal communications uh, acting chairwoman, heralded DOJ's dismissal of the lawsuit. I am pleased that the DOJ has withdrawn this lawsuit, Rosenwerkel said. When the FCC, over my objection, rolled back its net neutrality policies, states like California sought to fill the void with their own laws. A DOJ legal filing petitions the federal judge in this case with a department indicating that it hereby gives notice of its voluntar- voluntary dismissal of the case. The filing was certified and submitted on behalf of the Biden Department of Justice by Brian M. Boynton, the acting assistant attorney general for the department's civil division and directors of the division's federal programs branch. By taking this step, Washington is listening to the American people who overwhelmingly support an open Internet and is charting a course to once again make net neutrality the law of the land, Rosenwerkel said. Despite the DOJ's voluntary motion to dismiss the lawsuit, many legal fights dealing with California's net neutrality law are still set to take place. While the department dropped this specific lawsuit, it's expected to weigh in against a challenge brought by cable and phone providers. The editorial board for the LA Times said that net neutrality proponents currently sitting on the FCC should begin the process to reverse course again and seek rules to protect all U.S. Internet users. A group of lawyers, including members of the legal team of the religiously motivated anti-porn crusading organization, NCOSE, have filed a civil class action lawsuit in Birmingham, Alabama, against Pornhub's parent company, MindGeek, on behalf of the women who alleged illegal videos of themselves were uploaded to the platform by third-party users. According to the lawsuit, which was shared with mainstream media publications over the weekend by NCOSE, accompanied by a press release celebrating their role in the ongoing campaign to shut down the adult tube site, the two plaintiffs are only identified as Jane Doe number one and Jane Doe number two. The lawsuit alleges that MindGeek conspired, facilitated, and financially benefited from sex trafficking ventures between themselves and others. In these ventures, Jane Doe number one and Jane Doe number two and other minors were trafficked and commercially exploited in a sexual nature in violation of law, including but not limited to the trafficking victims protection reauthorization act. The NCOSC orchestrated lawsuit also claims that sex traffickers and MindGeek worked together to earn a profit from commercial sex acts and child pornography involving the plaintiffs and class members. The complaint makes reference to a January 2020 executive order by then-President Trump titled Combating Human Trafficking and Online Child Exploitation in the United States and also DeFosta Sessa, signed into law by Trump in 2018. Can I stop saying his name now? The lawyers also questioned MindGeek's moderation practices and alleged its search functions suggested search terms and tags make it easier for pedophiles to find the exact content they want, namely child sexual abuse material, including that of the plaintiffs. According to the lawsuit in 2018, when on Jane Doe number one was just 16 years old. She was drugged and raped by a man in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. The lawyers allege the man opened a Model Hub account and uploaded a video of Jane Doe number one's victimization. The lawsuit does not go into any detail about how MindGeek was informed that the video was illegal, or the process for removing it, or whether MindGeek cooperated with law enforcement to help identify the rapist. Instead, it claims that MindGeek's inadequate moderation practices made it impossible for them to know whether any video was legal or illegal. This supports NCOSE's long-held argument that all depictions of sex should be outlawed because there is no possible way to determine that they were made by consenting adults. NCOSE, formerly known as Morality in Media, aims for the complete eradication of all pornography, which they consider obscene and prurient, as well as human trafficking and the cause of a public health crisis. The Iowa House of Representatives Commerce Subcommittee has declined to advance a bill that proposed blocking adult content on electronic devices by default, as well as creating a special $5 tax on adult entertainment to fund initiatives against human trafficking. HF 288 had been introduced by Representative Sandy Salmon, a Republican from Janesville. She is a religious conservative who has been the most vocal crusader against adult entertainment in the Iowa legislature. The bill is a version of the one recently reintroduced in Utah, part of a Project Blitz campaign by evangelicals to pass copycat legislation restricting adult content on a state-by-state basis. According to local, uh, the local paper, The Courier, representatives of AT&T, T-Mobile, and CenturyLink pointed out that several content-blocking apps are already available, and the use of those apps is at the discretion of parents, for example, rather than the internet provider. Mike St. Clair, representing the Iowa Communications Alliance of about 130 small broadband providers, told the subcommittee that HB 288 would make us the police persons for content and turn us into criminals if we don't enforce it enough. We don't monitor content and and don't wish to be in that business, St. Clair added. Religiously inspired groups that spoke in support of the bill alleged that it would help address a supposed crisis of porn addiction. Although the Courier reported that another Republican representative, John Jacobson, said that just as the state regulates gambling because of the societal cost of addictive behavior, he would like the legislature to address the problems that arise from pornography and uh, none of the three Commerce Subcommittee members signed off on Salmon's bill. On February 25th, Monty Khan's Right of the Dot and best-selling author and world champion auctioneer Wayne Wheat will take the gavel to auction off 75 to 100 super-premium domain names. The live auction will happen beginning at noon Central Time at rotd.hibid.com. preceded by a timed online auction with hundreds more domain names available. The live auction will be webcast in real time from a live video production studio in College Station, Texas. We'll be talking with Monty on today's podcast. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. Internet.com, the ultimate Internet domain, is now available, and we're proud to list it. The domain gets 6 million unique visitors a month. This domain can be used for any of a number of uses. The opening bid is only $35 million. For more information on how to bid, contact us at adultsitebroker.com. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is Monty Khan of Right of the Dot. Monty, thanks for being with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk.
1: Thanks so much, Bruce. Glad to be here.
0: Good to have you. Now, Monty is the founder of Right of the Dot, a licensed business and premium domain auction and brokerage firm. He was the founder of moniker.com and he's the former president of snapnames.com. Now, Monty's been pioneering domain and aftermarket services since 1994. Uh, During his time, he helped uh, many new and existing top-level domains have successful launches through registrar promotions, sales, and auctions of premium domains through marketing, brokerage, and sales. He started the first online domain brokerage business in the industry. Success has included more than $550 million in domain sales um uh, including the industry's first domain name sale for over 1 million dollars the industry's first 2 million dollar domain sale as well uh later we sold the highest dollar domain in history with the sale of you ready for this folks porn.com remember that selling that was money for 9.5 million dollars sure the commission on that was nice <laughs> Uh, he's also the visionary behind live and online domain auctions. He was also the creator of domain appraisals, domain escrow and who is privacy services for the industry as well. Namani was voted into the 2010 domain Hall of Fame by industry peers. On February 25th, his company, Right of the Dot, will take the gavel to auction off 50 to 75 super premium domain names. You can check the auction out at rotd.com. So, Monty, what's the current state of the domain market?
1: Well, Bruce, it's uh, it, obviously during the pandemic and
0: the um, COVID
1: situation, it, it uh it, it definitely changed things a little bit. Um, the beginning of the year was really rocking, and mm-hmm. lots of things were happening. We came off a a, a live domain auction at NamesCon in January, the end of January, and had uh, uh, just over a million dollars worth of sales at that auction. Mm. And um, and um, then you know there was talks of COVID going on, and and um, and people starting not to travel and all that. And then sure enough, March um, and the brakes hit. The skids and everything came to a big slowdown. Mm-hmm. Um, however, um, we had some really big sales in March and April. Um, but then the industry kind of took a took a pause, um, at mm. least from what I can see, um, just due to everybody uh, kind of locking on and holding on to their funds, uh, mm-hmm. not knowing what the future was going to hold. And um, the um, COVID was spreading like crazy. Things were locking down. People were losing their jobs and mm-hmm. becoming unemployed. In, um, in hindsight of all that, however, um, towards the end of the year, um, what we saw was a lot of mom and pops and a lot of individuals who lost their jobs or decided that they were done sitting at home doing, uh, what they were doing normally. And they started being entrepreneur, um, putting their entrepreneurship hats on and, uh, starting to register and buy domain names in the aftermarket to create new business ideas and um, uh, work from home. And mm-hmm. it created a little bit of an insurgence. Hmm. So um, I would say that the domain market was affected between 30 and 50 percent in the downside in terms of number of transactions and cost per domain sale. But then at the end of the year, things picked up quite a bit as you know people started thinking outside the box and deciding that they were going to do something that they've always wanted to do and since they were working from home it gave them the ability to do that so yeah. uh, uh i i see a bright future and um you know domain names have always been a foundation of um of what i call a, a sustainable asset even in hard times uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've been through a couple of the recessions sure and um uh, with and, and you know, including 1999-2000 then again in uh 2007-2008 And then, of course, most recently, and the domain names um, have uh, kept a lot of people in business by selling and a lot of opportunity for buying for those that wanted to uh, buy domain names uh, at that time. Instead of uh, um, companies going out of business in the space, um, Mm -hmm. uh, they've been been able to hold their own, unlike other industries.
0: Now, e-commerce has done better than anything during the pandemic. Why do you think domain sales would have been affected?
1: Well, again, the domain sales side, um, so e-commerce sites, that's for sure, because people didn't go out and go to physical shops to shop. They were shopping online. So, of course, places like Amazon and, uh, and Nike and Lululemon and um, the clothing stores and uh, even even some of the restaurant chains that had really good delivery service and, and Uber Eats and, um, you know, DoorDash uh, companies uh, did very well because they were used more than ever. But in terms of the domain name side, there you know registration slowed down a little bit um, for the short term uh, because it was just uncertain, and then you saw a resurgence, obviously, in domain name registrations in certain themes hmm. around COVID, uh, around work at home, around telemedicine, around um, you know things that were related to what was going on at the time. So the one thing about the domain industry is that um, it trends really fast. As a matter of fact, you see trends in the domain name industry then you can faster than you can in in most any other industry, because people start thinking about ideas and what they're going to do, and start watching things in the news, and they start registering domain names because of it. So the domain registration side actually stayed pretty strong. It was the aftermarket sales uh, side that slowed down a bit because of the fear factor of what you know what you need to do with your money, and if you lost your job, you know how you're going to pay for insurance and and rent and food on your plate. Um, so that's the only um, side of it that kind of slowed down, although that's an important side. But as I mentioned before, um, people started thinking about how they're going to do work at home and create new business ideas. And, um, um, you know, you get to see how much stuff goes on while you're sitting at home and locked up. And um, the, the, the effect of that is, um, is domain name transactions and sales and, and online businesses launching.
0: Yeah, I would, I would think that uh, people have more time on their hands, uh, especially if they're out of work. Uh, they're going to they're gonna look at starting things. Now, since this show deals mostly with the adult industry, uh, I'm curious as to your take on adult domains. Now, you've been involved with adult forever. Uh, at one time, uh, adult domains seemed really easy to sell. These days, my experience anyway, not so much. What are your thoughts on that? Well,
1: as you know, the, the adult industry has gone through a, you know,
0: a, a major um,
1: transition, you know, uh, back in the day um, when I uh, was actively uh, supporting many of the adult companies from a domain standpoint and keeping domain names safe and then, you know, doing a lot of transactions and bringing the auctions to the adult industry, um, the industry was thriving. The affiliate networks were making, you know, were, 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 were doing great for the main players, um, then there was a consolidation and, uh, of course, free porn, which kind of changed how payments were being made for content and um, you know, what used to be hundreds of, uh, of or even thousands of small and medium-sized adult companies and shops and, and content builders and sites and affiliates – um, now we're probably looking at what five or six uh, conglomerate companies that own everything else, and hmm. the affiliate networks aren't as strong as they were before. right. So, like with every business, there it's gone through a consolidation, it's gone through a transformation and change. And um, because it's it's gone from pay to free uh, uh, in some parts, except for the niche markets, um, y- it's a lot harder to sell a seven, you know six seven figure name. Um, and the rate, you know, the return on that investment um, takes a lot longer and uh, isn't always guaranteed. So, you know, that's kind of what I'm seeing in any case. Um, and you also see um, some of the major adult players going mainstream, you know, um, perfect examples, MindGeek and and others. And a lot of my old clients and customers are well into the, um, into the uh, mainstream space, uh, mm-hmm. along with having adult holdings. So they diversify it a lot. Um, and, uh, some of my bigger clients, you know, in the adult industry have bought some of the bigger names in the, in the mainstream side.
0: How have you seen the domain market overall, the domain market landscape change in your years in the business?
1: When I started in the business in 1994, 1995, you know, there was basically .com, net, and .org. Um, you know, there was .edu and .mil, but there wasn't, you know, there wasn't any other extensions and .edu was restricted to. Um, you know, official universities and schools, and then uh, .mil was for the military. Um, you know, since then, you know, back in the in the early two thousands, you saw new extensions being added. Of course, um, there was you know .dot info and .dot biz, and um, there was the rebranding of uh, a lot of country codes like .dot ws for website and .dot cc for carbon copy and .dot um you know tv for television and uh, they took country code extensions and started to rebrand those during that period of time as well um and um uh, as you know in the last uh, 5 to 7 years there has been a resurgence or a uh, a new um uh, play on the domain names for new extensions in all kinds of different extensions so now there's mm-hmm. a thousand more extensions out in the marketplace um Let's call it 300 of which are commercial um, generic use. 300 are brand associated domain names for you know brands and and corporations. And the other 300 are for information or nonprofits or you know restricted TLDs that are for banking, insurance, and other and other uses. Um, it reminds me back in the old days and a lot of domain people will, will relate to this because a lot of the most famous domainers like rick schwartz and michael Birkins and and so on and a lot of the old guys uh used to have uh, their business in the vanity 800 and 900 space so of course you know 800 by cars or 800 doctors um and you got that spelling so that people didn't have to remember what the numbers were and when those numbers ran out when those combinations ran out they went to Went went from 800 to 888 and then 877 and 866, 855, 844. You know, now there's 20 some odd toll free numbers. That's a very uh, similar simulation to what happens or what's happening in the domain world. Um, When the the most valuable domain combinations, letters and numbers and words um, started running out, I can, um, you know, felt it was time to add new extensions to give more people fair, right and availability to get a domain name. In the um, you know in the keyword that they wanted, so they opened up the strings to other um, registries that could um, provide that, and so now we see kind of an influx of supply um, with demand you know still in the same situation. So there's a lot more supply than there is than there is demand, and so that has a you know direct fat effect on values. But there's the old school folks that feel that .com is king and always will be, like the 800 number. Um, but to be honest, uh, you know, I was against it in the beginning and now, you know, having helped some of these new TLDs launch like dot club and dot global and working with some of the big conglomerates in the space, um, you know, it's a natural transition. It makes sense. And if you ask your kids, they don't know what com really is, what it means. It doesn't matter to them just like 800 numbers don't because they have cell phones with free calling. So, um, if, if a name with a with a proper match extension that's to the right of the dot and the left of the dot word is a good keyword and they can't get it in a dot com, they go to the next extension that makes more linguistic sense to them. Like instead of buy com, which of course has been taken since the mid 90s, um, now they can get buy dot cars or buy autos mm-hmm. and they shorten the string and it makes more linguistic and intuitive sense in some cases. So um um, I do believe there's a space for it and a and a place for them, and um, you know some some will be very successful and some won't.
0: Okay, so but that's how I've seen it change quite a bit. Okay, let's let's dig a little deeper into that though, and it's something I get asked about a lot. Yeah, .dot com is king. I don't think anybody is going to disagree with that. Certainly, you won't because that's where you've made your money. But a lot there's so many extensions now. Uh, dot X, Y, Z, uh, uh, in our industry dot X, and dot sex, which both make sense. But, yeah. uh, what are, I mean, are, are, are things like a uh, dot X, Y, Z, for instance, are they worth much?
1: So .xyz, um, it, it was meant to be an alternative to .com, something very generic that anything to the left of the dot could go with. Right. So that's what .com is. It doesn't have to make sense to the right of the dot because it's a generic extension that doesn't mean anything at the end. Mm-hmm. What gave .xyz, um, you know, a, a, a big plus and big benefit was that the biggest company, search company in the space, decided to rebrand themselves as a .xyz website, which was Alphabet. Hmm. which is Google. and um when you see something like that happens, obviously it becomes prominent, and people catch the wave a little bit. So uh, I know the founder of dot um, X, y Z, and that's daniel Daniel Nagari, and he's been a longtime client and friend of mine, and yeah. uh, he owns a couple uh, you know several of the other new strings, like dot uh, I believe he owns dot beauty and dot autos and um he's he's acquired some other strings in the space. and, you know the belief of the new extensions, and I and I'm I'm on board on this for for the most part is that it gives people choice and options that make sense. So there's going to be probably a .dot web coming out soon, which is going to be a direct competitor to .dot com. And mm-hmm, web does have a mm-hmm. um So if anything that's going to compete with a .dot com, it's probably going to be a .dot web. Um, there's other versions of stuff stuff like that, like .dot online, .dot mm-hmm. um, website. Um, you know, or dot site, I'm sorry, because dot dot ws kind of meant website in the beginning, but you know, dot w uh dot dot site is a is another um extension that's um you know being used for that. Um so I I do believe that dot com is king, just like an 800 number is king for you know toll free numbers, but doesn't mean that other um domain names can't be uh very successful in the space for their t- particular extensions. The the big difference is obviously back in the day where the traffic was driven by com because it was the only commercial um, domain extension so it was typed into the URL line constantly and so you don't get the benefit of the constant type and traffic on some of the new extensions but website building has changed you know that and can um, you can definitely have very successful sites with the new extension and if you're building a website and you're making a presence out of it and you do enough branding to let people know you're not a com but you're a dot-club, for example, um, you can be very successful at it. And I mentioned dot-club because club is one of those domain names um, and extensions that the founders, who are also uh, friends of mine and, and I helped launch, uh, helped pick their premium name list and everything. They're in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, they stay very focused on that extension. They did a lot of research before launching it. Uh, there's m- literally tens of millions of clubs all over the world, uh, such as chess clubs and, and golf clubs and, you know, uh, 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 bait clubs and, and uh, you, know, ch- you know, swimming clubs. And, you know, you name every sk- school, they have tons of clubs. And then there's VIP clubs and dance clubs and, you know, all these things. So the one unique thing about dot club is that the word club in dot club is spelled in English almost in every country in the world, no matter what the language is including China. So they don't have a word for club and they use the English word club and they put Chinese characters in front of it. So if you go to Shanghai or you go to Beijing or even Hong Kong, you'll see the Chinese character string and then the word club at the end in English. So that's a pretty good litmus test on how strong the word club is. And Mm -hmm. lots of things make sense, linguistic sense to the left and to the right of the dot on that. Okay. And so, you know, as long as, as long as something makes linguistic sense, I think it, I think, and, and of course that the registry is a supportive registry they there, you know, they, 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 they're, they're going to be supportive to the string and advertise and make sure they're going to be around for a while. It's going to have a good chance of surviving.
0: But do domains other than .coms have a lot of value on the market uh, for, for an investor, for instance?
1: Yeah, sure. So, so dot club is actually doing a lot of transactions in the aftermarket. I'm sure some people have heard on the show about the new craze that's going on at clubhouse, which is, uh, you know, the new social app. Um, Mm -hmm. and, um, and just by, just by mistake and default and, and kudos to dot club that everybody in clubhouse has their own club on clubhouse and they're buying domain names to represent their club. So now they're doing, now they're doing resales inside clubhouse for dot club domain names and reselling them in like kind of like virtual auction, not virtual, but, you know, clubhouse auctions hmm. and selling domain names inside the clubhouse. So it's pretty cool that they're doing that. But, um, I saw a couple six figure dot club names, including, um, coffee dot club and also a uh, uh, wine dot club, uh, at auction and, um, and besides .club, um, there's then several transactions and other extensions that have, that have sold. Now, is it as prevalent as .com? No, but it's also, you know, they're not 25 years old like .com is either. So uh, um, I don't think we're in the first inning of a ball game when it comes to the domain name industry. Um, there's a big, there's a long game to play. And there's a lot of, you know, if you look at the whole entire world population, um, um, less than half of the world is online. Uh, when you look at areas like Africa and Asia, like Africa is only seventeen percent online. Um, there's parts of Asia that are are about the same. Um, not even China is uh, you know fully online. The United States is seventy five percent online. Not even ninety or hundred hmm. percent. So there's still tons of room for growth. And as the population expands, there's going to be more need for domain name and online you know online presence. So um, to answer your question, there's a lot of extensions that carry uh, some value. Um, and there's been transactions that have happened that have been pretty significant in a lot of the other extensions, um, you know, in in several of the big extensions. So that's, that's good news that there's, there's, um, there are some, some good, um, domain names in those extensions and, um, you can have an aftermarket, um, for those over time.
0: Now, since again, we're talking about adult, what do you think about, uh, domains like .xxx and .sex?
1: i mean they definitely have a place in in the adult industry for sure um you know at the the adult industry is in you know again the adult industry itself in my opinion isn't growing at the rate and the speed uh or at all compared to what it was 10 15 years ago so if you throw one of those extensions on back then it probably would have taken off a lot faster um but things go in waves and um Um, and, and, uh, things become popular in different waves. And, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a safe bet to have a, uh, uh, have yourself at least covered in your brand in some of these adult extensions, and you could launch new, uh, websites and, and build new, um, assets on some of those extensions and, and drive a lot of traffic to it. Um, you're not going to get the natural type in traffic yet, but you can drive a lot of traffic to it through um you know, keyword buying and, and create a brand and then people start to recognize that it's it's not a dot com, it's a dot triple X. Uh-huh. And and rightfully so because it's in the adult industry and it it has meaning in that industry. Okay. So um you know handful of those extensions in that industry are gonna are, are gonna be fine and it's perfectly suited for that.
0: Now you uh do uh, domain appraisals, uh, I know because we work together on them. <laughs> without, without giving away your secret sauce, what exactly makes a domain valuable and what doesn't?
1: So I get this question a lot, like how can you evaluate a piece of digital real estate and virtual real estate, um, you know, and say that it has some kind of accuracy. So back in 1998, 1999, uh, when we sold the first million dollar domain name, which is wallstreet.com, of course, everybody flocked to us like, what's my name worth? What's my name worth? What's my Mm -hmm. name worth? So. What we did is we we looked at how is physical real estate evaluated? What are some of the characteristics that can cross over to the virtual real estate world? So, for example, if you have a piece of premium real estate downtown in New York City, you know, your most valuable real estate is what Madison Avenue, Fifth Avenue, um, um, Park Avenue. Mm -hmm. Now, why is that so valuable? It's valuable because it gets lots of traffic, a lot of foot traffic, a lot of car traffic, traffic, a lot of taxi traffic. And the most valuable and most um, highest rent in are in those areas because people are more likely to go into those stores and shop because there's so much traffic where there's hardly any traffic like out in the middle of the boondocks. You know, you don't get a lot of traffic. You have to evaluate your property based off of something else, like maybe how much property you have. (laughs) Um, So traffic directly ties into type in traffic. So car traffic and foot traffic in a city or in a location to types in, to go, you know, correlates almost directly to how many times that domain name is typed into the URL line. So that's one factor. Another factor obviously is comparable sales. So if I sold autos.com, which I did in, in 1999 for $2 million, other keywords with the same word, obviously, can, you can use that as a reference point to say, Okay, well autos.com sold for 2.2 million dollars, so what is auto worth? Well, it's probably something similar, except it's singular and probably not as valuable, but you can use some percentage of that value. Then you have car and cars, and you have automobile and vehicles, and you know, and and trucking and trucks, and so you can play off of those to be to to get to some kind of accuracy based off the number of names that sold in those keywords. Similar to having the same house that you have in your neighborhood and you're neighbor has the same builder with the same structure and it just sold for $900,000 and it's a three, two or a four, two. And you know, yours is probably going to be in the same price range because of that. So that's the comparable sales, um, you know, reference. Um, and then you have location, but which, which we, you know, we kind of discuss based off of traffic, but beachfront property that's undeveloped is desirable because, you know, you're looking at the water every day and the sun coming up or the sun going down and, uh, you're looking at, you know, Um, A place where people like to go and relax and it's more expensive because you're on the beach and it's limited supply because, you know, unlike the inside of the United States, there's only so much beach property. So then there's, you know, scarcity value and how rare it is and um, how desirable it is. And same with downtown property. Um, The same thing, beach versus downtown versus rural. Rural would relate to multiple words, uh, for example. You know, so two words together, you're getting outside your, your city a little bit. And that's why you start expanding outward so instead of cars you're going to have buy cars or sell cars or you know cheap cars or whatever memorable how memorable it is is it a dictionary term is it a keyword does it get natural type in traffic how much um is there you know is there is there other comparable sales is it um is it something that um is easy to recognize is it easy to spell the shorter the better um You know, if it's a long word like entrepreneur, you know, a lot of people don't know how to spell that word, even though it's a very, very valuable word. Hmm. So how many times is it going to be mistyped? So without going into all 21 factors that we look at when we do an evaluation, those are some of the most important things. And now the comparable database, unlike in 1999, you know, when I had probably some of the only sales in the industry, now we have, you know, tons of sales under our belt and under the industry's belt. So now right now, my database is, you know, over 1 million domain sales, um, you know, in terms of what I can look up. And then there's public sales. Those are, those are like private transactions. Then there's public sales, which is another million sales. Yeah. And so now you can match up keywords and values and sale prices based off of time. And then look at, you know, getting down to good
0: appraisal because of that. That's, that's awesome. Now, and, yeah,
1: and then, if, if, you know, of course you have industry too, which mm-hmm. I didn't mention, but, you know there's the tech industry and there's you know there's different types of industries that are either hot or cold at this certain time too and what those domain names fall so you know right now we're in a we're in an online learning you know uh, school you know online schooling online uh, education um, meeting at home work from home um, telemedicine um you know things that are remote and accessible from anywhere virtual those are the hot things right now versus you know physical doctor visits and um, you know, going into an office, uh, those types of things. So.
0: Okay. Now time for, uh, your, your shameless self-promotion. Um, let's, let's talk about right of the dot. Tell me more about what you do there. So,
1: uh, most people remo- re- recognize
0: me and remember me as, as moniker.com. Cause I,
1: mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I got a crazy idea and said, you know what? I really love the adult industry because uh, they're loyal and they face the most adversity and and the most uh, scrutiny and have the biggest regulation of all. And if you can get those people on your side and earn their business, you're doing a pretty good job. And so uh, very early in my career, I I made it a point to go after the adult industry and serve that community for domain protection because we were the only registrar that never lost a name from domain theft. And I invented who is privacy so I could protect people's privacy and keep their uh, domain names and their assets um, confidential and secret. And that was very important at the time for many of the adult players. Um, And, um, you know, I credit the adult industry for, you know, probably the first online um, SSL uh, certificates and uh, merchant Mm -hmm. transactions using credit cards and having membership services. And, you know, those things are really important and there probably wouldn't be a lot of businesses alive today without the adult industry, uh, paving the way for those people. So I felt that was important. So I showed up at Phoenix forums and AVN shows and all the adult industry shows, and it took me a while to break in. And then once I did and, uh, and got people to trust us with their assets and move people over from random registrars, it that didn't, that people didn't really know really what they did on the back end, Um, you know, it was a very important uh, thing for me. So, uh, um, I felt that, uh, um, you know, that was important. So I just want to give some background on why I I focused on the adult industry. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, when I went, when I started Moniker, Moniker was not just a registrar, it was a domain asset protection and monetization company. So, you know, our sole purpose was to help people acquire and register names that were important for their business. And then if they wanted to park them and monetize that traffic, we did that. If they wanted to sell their domain names, we did that. And if they wanted to buy domain names in stealth, we did that too. And so we created the first brokerage room with salespeople to go out and do all those things. And we were probably one of the first, uh, feeds for, you know, traffic monetization. Um, you know, this is right around when Google wasn't even in existence and uh, worked with several players in doing that. And, um, and I built Moniker to a nice business and sold it off to a company called oversea.net. And then I ran snap snap names, which was the company that kind of invented the drop catching service for domain names. And, uh, we had the largest parking platform at the time called Domain Sponsor. And so uh, I ran both of those divisions and also Moniker all at the same time. And then when my contract was up, I decided it was not time to be corporate anymore and go back into the entrepreneurial spirit. So I started right at the dot. And at that time, the new TLDs were starting to be talked about. And I felt I could take that knowledge that I learned in all my years and uh, help some of the new extensions launch and be uh, you know, vibrant. Um, and so I, if you, if you look at the, the domain right of the dot, it means, you know, what's important is to the right of the dot just as much as the left of the dot in this case. So the extension is important as well. And so I kept on doing the premium domain auctions for all the big conferences and, uh, still did brokerage and, um, and stealth acquisitions for corporate clients. And, uh, um, that's what I've been doing ever since. And, you know, we hold the industry's biggest and largest domain auction uh in the in the industry and we feel i feel that it's important to do that because it keeps the market fluid mm-hmm. liquid uh, vibrant alive it helps with everybody sell value regardless whether you have com net or health sex triple x or whatever mm-hmm. if uh if any name sells in any extension it's good for the entire industry and it raises the tide water for everybody
0: Absolutely. Now, what is the biggest challenge you see facing the overall internet space today?
1: Every couple of years, people uh, question whether domain names are going to be relevant because of you know back in the day, you know years ago, there was a company called Real Names, and um, they they thought that it was uh, okay not to even have a domain name, and you can navigate through the web, and that didn't work, and then you know, we moved up to apps and what, you know, why do you need a domain name if you have an app or if you're using app? Well, ultimately the app has its own domain name and website in order to download the app or you go to the app store, which resides on a domain name. So that didn't work either. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything that's going to disrupt the domain name itself. Um, mm-hmm. The importance of the domain name. Um, um, I think I can, um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's a very bureaucratic and, and political organization. And there's a lot of policy, uh, you know, around what you can and can't do with a domain name. And, you know, just to make it clear, no one really truly owns their domain name. You have the right to register it and renew it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't hold true title. Like you do your piece of property when you pay it off and you own it from the mortgage company, Right. the, the, the domain name is a subscription. And if you paid $10 million for it and you forget to renew it, you lose it. <laughs> So um, that's the important thing to remember that that you have the right you, you're buying the rights to hold that domain name and pay your $10 renewal fee every year. Huh. Um, but if you forget it and you fuck up, you're you're going to lose your domain name no matter how much money you paid. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know there's 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 still people that think that um, every domain name that's not developed that someone owns is a squatter and they don't have a right to have it unless it's a website. And I've been a proponent of people's rights to use their domain names any way they want, as long as they're not breaking the law or violating somebody else's, uh, you know, trademark. Mm-hmm. And um, it's no different than you buying a piece of land in the middle of downtown and deciding you don't want to build on it. There's no law that says you have to. You can keep it a blank piece of land. You can offer it for resale at any time you want. You can throw a billboard on top of it. That's what parking is. And and that's how you can earn money from paying for, you know, getting advertising paid for or throwing billboards and, and you know banners across your building and um you know that's uh, I, I i'm a big believer that you can do whatever you want with your domain name and now there's all this new uh, these new domain names being registered and they're big they're vacant pieces of land until somebody develops them and um, you know that part of the business has grown so i, I don't see pressures on the internet that way um, um as more and more extensions come into existence, it, it can get into a situation where things get confusing a little bit and there will be more extensions coming soon. So even though everybody thought that these thousand wouldn't survive, there's going to be another 500 to a thousand coming in years. Right. And so there's going to be a new wave, you know, a new wave of them coming. Huh. So the most, the biggest threat is how you brand your business going forward and making sure people know what your extension is and that you have online presence and have the right domain that matches your, your products and services. Linguistic flow of your domain name is very important, you know, especially in the new extension. So the left, the word to the left of the dot has to make sense to the right of the dot, or it doesn't make sense. Right. So um, that's really important.
0: So let's say I want to be a domain investor in 2021. What advice would you have for me?
1: If you thought that you can't get good domain names in 2021, that's just not true. You can enter into the aftermarket and, you know, go to places like my auction and you can get the most premium domain names that you want. You might have to be well-funded in some cases to get, you know, domain names like restaurants.com and sorority.com and cats.com, which is what we're selling and and a bunch of others um, because they're, you know, big names, but there's plenty of names that are at um, a fraction of those costs or at no reserve that are selling. Uh, and not only on my site, but um, or in my auction, but at After Nick and GoDaddy auctions and GoDaddy drop catching and snap names. And, um, you know, there's still domain names that are registered and dropping every day that you can get, um, you know, at decent costs. And then, of course, there's a whole slew of new registrations for new TLDs that haven't been registered yet. So, um, again we're talking about waves of the future and you know buying domain names today that come in 10 to 15 20 years could be extremely valuable even if you got it at, a reg- at registration fees or 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 if you paid a premium for a dot com name today it's surely to go up in value over time um because that's considered you know the beachfront and the downtown city um real estate okay and it's available
0: you know yeah. it's available Okay, so next week, and I'm I've got my uh, getting my dates straight here. Next week <laughs> you're going to be doing an which, auction. Which
1: is tomorrow on the podcast.
0: Uh no, actually this is going to run on the this is going to drop on the 17th. So actually it is next week. I uh-huh. I'm, I'm getting my dates. I'm getting my dates straight now. Um <laughs> Uh you're going to be doing an auction. Uh tell me a bit about the event.
1: Yeah, so um, we're going to be doing something – I mean, everybody knows and recognizes I brought in live auctions into various industries, including the adult industry. So I usually bring a live auctioneer in, and we do a live auction of, uh, uh, you know, of about 100 to 150 premium domain names. And uh, people gather in the room, and they raise their paddles, and they get these names. And, I, of course, I, I target the type of names that I'm selling based around the the, the theme of the show or the conference – um, and so for the adult industry, obviously, I've sold many big adult names, you know, for example. And, you know, when I was at the affiliate summit, I sold affiliate type domain names and, and search engine strategy, same thing. And the domain industry shows the same thing. So this auction is going to be a live virtual auction. I'm actually going to fly to uh, College Station, Texas, which is where my championship auctioneer is. He's a world champion auctioneer. His name's Wayne Wheat. Hmm. We've been working together now for nine years. We've literally sold hundreds of million dollars of domains together. And um, and uh, we're going to go to a production studio, a live, uh, you know, like TV studio, and we're going to broadcast this out to thousands of people, various networks um, through a webcast. And so I'm taking submissions right, right now um, and going through tens of thousands of submissions, and I'm whittling that down to what will probably be, About 500 domain names that will be in the auction and of the 500, there'll be 100 selected for the live portion, which will happen one day, which will be February the 25th at 12 noon central standard time. And we're going to webcast those sales right there on the spot as if you're sitting in the room with your paddle, except you're going to be betting online and, and bidding online with your computer. And because we're going to be in this production studio, we're able to do some really cool things like special effects and, you know, throw fireworks out in the background when a name sails and, um, you know, be more interactive and fun. So that's what I'm really excited about. And then um, um, the other 400 names will remain in the online auction part, which will end uh, March the 4th. So the live portion is going to go live, and be um, I'm going to be selling names live, just like I'm in an auction room, just like Sotheby's or Christie's or them be- Car Auctions. I'm going to be selling those with Wayne on a te- you know in a television studio, broadcasted out to the web on our stream, and um, and uh, selling a hundred names there, and then uh, and then the other four hundred names will remain on the online auction piece until fe- until March fourth. So it's going to be really exciting, and um, we're going to be able to send the snippet of the HTML code or the video code out to everybody, including yourself. You can broadcast the auction on your site. Sweet. And you can bring your audience in and watch the auction live. If they don't want to, if you don't want to send people off to the actual auction site, we'll allow you to have the auction running on your site. And when somebody wants to come and bid, they'll just pop over and hit the bidding link and get signed up and register and then be ready to all uh, you know get on the domain name but you can draw people on your own um on your own blog or studio or website we're going to do that too and send that out to everybody in the domain industry and anybody that's interested in having the feed and mm-hmm. that way you can keep your crowd and have discussions going on your own site and not have to go off you know send your customers somewhere else so it's going to be really cool and fun and that's how i think i'm going to draw a lot of uh, attention worldwide Mm-hmm. Um, so we're getting we're getting ready to do a big uh, international press release that'll be uh, translated into multiple languages, mm-hmm. highlighting some of the big names we have for sale. And uh, I think it's going to be a new way to disrupt the way that things are being done now in an online, um, you know, type of uh, scenario where nobody nobody can gather in a room together really,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you know, raise the paddles. We're going to have them raising the paddles mm-hmm. online in a in a way they've never done before.
0: Keep in mind this is the adult space, so they may be raising the paddles another way as well. Yeah, uh,
1: in fact, I do have some names that cross over the adult space that's on here, and uh, and it looks like we're going to get a couple more. I'm not going. I won't have anything as crude as I used to have in my auctions on the uh, uh, on the adult shows, but they're you know we're, we're probably going to have uh, uh, names like Cox.com, spelled mm-hmm. the right way C-O-C-K-S.com. com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have online babes or babes babes uh, babes only dot hmm. uh, I have sexo.com, which is a Spanish word for sex. It's going to be really, that's, that's an awesome name.
0: Oh, that's Rick. Um, that's Rick's.
1: Um, no, not sexo. Uh, he has another name.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, he has another name,
1: but we, we have a name like that hmm. and, uh, um, there's cockfight.com. There's, hmm. you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of names that could be used for, you know, in the adult industry and in both, um, um, you know, things like. You know, like celebrity photos, which isn't really adult, but we all know that the adult industry is monetized celebrity photo um, videos and and uh, celebrity uh, uh, type names as well.
0: Interesting. Okay, so I see another project you're involved in. What aren't you involved in? You got real estate in Costa Rica. You got a weed business. But I see one other project that looks interesting, and it's desktop.com. T- tell me about that.
1: Yeah, so I'm not really involved in it. I'm, a, no. I'm an investor, but it's really cool. My uh, A colleague and friend and uh, a client of mine, um, um, his name is uh, Rolf Larson, and he he um, he created the Dot .global extension, as a matter of fact, and hmm. uh, he um, he came up with this idea on how to consolidate the apps that are all on your computer and make it really easy to operate and, and make it uh, virtual and ver- versatile so you can use them better. Hmm. And it's really taken off. it's really incredible. so some of the biggest domain uh, guys are invested in the business as well and um, pretty excited about where that's going to go. So I'm an investor. Hmm. Uh, I'm not a part of the company other than being an investor in that business. Um, okay. But you mentioned Costa Rica I've got um, I'm a part owner in an in a awesome adventure park uh, there called Diamante Echo Adventure Park. It's in Guanacaste, mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. uh, are fortunate to have the longest fastest highest zip line. Uh, in all the Americas, you, you basically lay down like Superman and it's a thousand feet high and you're, you zip line into the ocean on your belly and you fly, you know, basically through the, over, you know, from a mountain down to the ocean. It's really cool. And we have lots of exotic animals in our animal sanctuary that are all rescue animals.
0: Hmm. And
1: it's a really cool place. And, uh, we have a luxury rental villa on the property as well there. Hmm. And, um, Costa Rica is probably going to be one of the best places to go after the, all this shit's over. They've done mm-hmm. a really good job of controlling the the pandemic. They've closed mm-hmm. their they closed their borders early on. It really affected their tourism dollars, obviously. Sure. But um, they they've really worked hard to make sure that they have their shit together mm-hmm. when things open up. And uh, they you know I flew in in December and I was just blown away how how clean and how how nice it is there, even with this all going on. They really have their their stuff together. Uh, there's washing stations outside of every restaurant and bar and and uh, retail store. So mm-hmm. you you know you're not allowed to walk in unless you wash your hands and mm-hmm. you know you have to wear your mask and all that stuff. And um, because of that, the 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 area that I'm in, which is um, uh, Guanacaste, and in particular in this area called Coco
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: Playa del Coco and Montepalo there's there's no cases uh, mm-hmm. of COVID, so uh, or hardly no cases. You know, so it's. Uh, it, they've done a really good job, so pretty excited about how Costa Rica's handled things and how they're going to bounce back.
0: It it sounds like you're describing Thailand, my friend. We just had a very yeah. small second wave, and I I think Thailand's rated number one in the world as far as uh, COVID response. So uh, it's good yeah, to be that, good. It's good to that, be here, and I know you got a place there. So uh,
1: yeah, I have a place in Costa Rica, and then uh, and I'm a main investor with Evan Horowitz, as many in the adult industry know uh with uh, weedclub.com and uh, yep. we're real excited about that especially given the fact that uh we're probably going to look at a uh you know defederalized uh you know um cannabis industry at some point and um you know a big ease up on what uh you know how things are being treated with cannabis and that's also moving into costa rica as well so pretty excited mm-hmm. about how the the weed club business is going to work
0: one can, o- one can only hope, from your from your mouth to God's ears. Well, uh, I want to remind everybody that the auction is next week, the 25th. That would be next Thursday. Um, and, and
1: bidding is open now, by the way. So okay. uh, when you hear the show, you can go online and bid. Mm-hmm. If you just go to rotd.com, the link to bid is right there on the front page and also on the submission page. And then it brings you to the live auction, and you can start placing bids. And the live portion will go live on February 25th at 12 noon, Mm
0: -hmm. Central
1: Standard Time. And the extended auction will run through March 4th.
0: I'm headed there now. Well, Monty, I'd like to thank you for being our guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk. And I hope we'll get a chance to do this again really soon. My broker tip today is part two of how to buy a website. Last week, we discussed first deciding the type of site you want to buy and then establishing what your budget is next it's time to look for your new website so where do you look well adult site broker is a great place to start we always have a nice variety of website and non-website properties for sale but if there's a particular type of site you want we can also act as your buyer's broker to help you find just the right site other places to look are boards like xbiz.net and gfy.com but to be completely honest, unless what you're looking for is a really low-end property, you're probably not going to find what you're looking for there. Of course, you could contact site owners yourself, but take it from someone who does it for a living. It's a major hassle, and it can be really hard to even find out who owns a site. Almost all sites use what is called as who is privacy from their domain registrar. So when you send them an email, it will be an anonymous address, and in most cases, the emails aren't returned. We have a huge database of sellers and generally know who owns what. And if it's a website of note, if we don't know who owns it, we can always find out. We'll talk about this subject more next week. And next week, we'll be talking to Carl Edwards of You Love Jack. And that's it for this week's Adult Side Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Monty Kahn. Talk to you again next week on Adult Side Broker Talk.